0: This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Trish Solano, who's a Chief Nurse Executive and Associate Chief Clinical Officer at Advent Health. Trish, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Laura. I'm happy to be here. Now, we're going to talk a lot about um, a strategy that you have at Advent Health, and one that we have included in an article with Becker's talking about use less, lose less, and hire more inside the Strategy that Advent Health used to cut nurse turnover, um, and so I'm excited to dig deeper into that um, specifics there. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. Um, well, I'm just coming into my 30th year as a nurse, and um, started in critical care. And in my in my background, I was a CNO for our Children's Hospital and a CNO for our flagship Orlando campus as well as the Chief Clinical Officer for one of our markets and have been in the Chief Nurse Exec role for about four years here. Uh, You know, we're located here in Central Florida, uh, but have uh, 51 hospitals across the US in nine
0: states. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a huge undertaking to be able to oversee the nursing workforce for such a large system, crossing, as you mentioned, multiple states in several different facilities. So, you know, I'm excited to dive in and see how you're able to manage all of those things. Um, in, in particular, you talked about um, with us for our article how the use less strategy um, has played into reducing nurse turnover at Health. Could you expand upon that a little bit? A bit. Um, what does that really mean to you, and how do you see that playing out on a regular basis?
1: Sure. You know, I think uh, for us, um, what the use less element of use less, lose less, hire more is not about uh, decreasing staffing, which is what people automatically kind of think. It's really about using less RNs where uh, where you don't necessarily need to have an RN. So you know, there's a certain amount of the work that nurses do. That can be managed by other licensed personnel, keeping RNs at the top of their license. So, you know, some of the feeding, walking, clothing, um, bathing, and other elements don't necessarily need to be done by an RN. So, our use less strategy was really around appropriately elevating the RN to the top of their license and making sure that we had enough of the other uh, providers. To care for patients, whether that's drawing blood or transporting them off of the unit, there's a variety of different things. I think over the course of um, the last two or three decades, many organizations have pulled those resources away from nursing, which ended up um, just leading the RN to provide a whole bunch of things that you know perhaps uh, were not necessary uh, for them with their licensure. So the the useless element. Uh, involved us bringing on additional patient care techs as well as in some markets launching LPN models, but bringing on patient care techs and others to provide care according to their license helps keep their RN focused at the top of their license and just improves the care that's delivered.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You know, it it really seems like it would be beneficial overall for the RN to have the opportunity and ability to focus more on patient care. And as you said, the things that they are trained most highly to do. um, And and does that mean, you know, then some of the other uh, work is either um, done by people with other experience levels or in some ways, I'm sure, automated. Um, How does that really show up for you?
1: Yeah, well, you know, for us, it's really about bringing back those individuals who have that skill set, who we, you know, perhaps over the course of the last two decades, health systems said, we actually don't need to have those um, those individuals working in the hospital. You know, labor is the largest, um, one of the largest costs for any hospital. So over over the course of, um, over the last few decades, many health systems have removed, uh, or at least decreased the support from transportation, from phlebotomy, from nutritional services, and then from patient care techs. So, you know, for us here at Advent oh, no. Health, our market's looking across where they currently were and how they could better right size the, the people that they needed to help support the RN. So the RN, who is obviously, you know, the most highly paid out of that whole group, can focus on the work that they need to focus on. So not only, you know, are we using less RNs, which are a really um a difficult commodity to get, but we're using them appropriately at the top of their license. And we're making sure that that also um, helps to address any workforce burnout. If they have to do everything, well, how are they going to do the one thing that they need to do well, really well?
0: Absolutely. That's really an extra excellent point. And, you know, I'm wondering too, if you could share some specific examples of changes that you've made that have positively impacted nurse retention.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, we've had... Um, just some great, great wins in retention of our um, bedside nurses over the last 24 months, and we're really, really excited about where that has gone for us as a company, and and what it means to our communities across the country. Our um, nursing leaders, um, our nursing leaders had an opportunity to really have additional support and education, preparing them to lead. Now, here you have uh, an assistant nurse manager and a nurse manager who are running operations 24-7. And we realized that we had an opportunity to better prepare them for that role. So uh, 24 months ago, we developed and launched nursing leadership development content that was very tactical and very practical uh, for our nurse leaders so that they understood what it meant to actually develop staffing and manage staffing throughout the day. Um, things like unit huddles, uh, a variety of different um, educational topics that AMs and nurse managers now would learn in a, in a pretty tactical, clear, but prescriptive format as they transition to their roles. We also launched a professional excellence program, kind of commonly known across the country as the clinical ladder for nursing. Big, big. win for us and you know nurses are looking for a standard way to um, to develop in their career and that doesn't have to mean you know if you're a bedside nurse and you want to continue to develop you have to leave the bedside you know we wanted to kind of flip the script on that that we really value our nurses who have 10 15 20 years experience so how how can we recognize that and how can they be recognized for what they bring to the bedside the third one was our competitive market pay. You know, we, um, post-pandemic, market pay changed so quickly across the country. So, you know, we went from evaluating market pay to, to every other year, a few years back, to every year, to every six months. And over the course of the last three years, we evaluated it uh, quarterly to really make sure that we had a pulse on what was um, happening in our local markets, because it's easy to get out of... Um, out of line with where compensation is going when there is a pandemic and a national nursing shortage. So our focus on making sure that we maintained compensation that was competitive for our nurses, also another another strategy. The third of really four strategies that we use, fourth one being um, career pathways and you know tuition reimbursement, student loan repayment, all of these things. Um, nursing at Advent Health are really competitive, that nurses recognize that we were here to provide for them a pathway to develop and that we were also able and willing to resource that.
0: Certainly. And you know, I, I think that's such a strong and powerful message as you mentioned, um, to really put the resources behind those efforts and, and making sure that no matter what the nurse chooses and, and feels like is their best path forward for them, um, yep. that they're valued and supported. I, I love that. I think that's such a remarkable way to, you know, develop a culture within the organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they'll the whole idea behind um, magnet hospitals, if you if you recall when they first launched, was was how what are the elements that will make a hospital a magnet for nurses? It will draw nurses to that facility. Those things haven't changed in 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 twenty years. Um, not not really, not much.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's so you know, such a great point and. You know, the other thing I was wondering is that the article mentions strategic overlaps between the use less and lose less. Can you explain how these improvements contribute to the overall success of the nurse staffing strategy?
1: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, in order to uh, the use less, which is using um, other other providers outside of just RNs to provide a real uh, kind of model for care, um, in order to do that, we had a couple things we had to do, right, uh, namely leadership development, so that our nurses, our assistant nurse managers who run operations 24-7, as well as our nurse managers, had that they were prepared to, to effectively staff. They needed to understand what that meant and all of the variables involved in that. Um, when... when assignments are being made for nurses, it's not just a, a ratio of a number of patients as it seems to be kind of uh, dumbed down in, um, in the press. It, it's much more than a ratio. It's actually the nursing, um, not only the complexity of the patient, but the experience level of the nurse and the intensity of the work. So it's the acuity, the intensity, as well as that nurse's experience. Those three things work together in conjunction to determine what an appropriate um, assignment is for a nurse. So we needed to go back and just do some level setting. Nursing staffing principles and practices, that that class for our nurse leaders, you know, really helped to get everybody on the same page. And then uh, things like leading effective unit huddles. If um, there's a good way to do it, a way that is actually useful, that is, is helpful to both the staff as well as the leaders. Communicating effectively with physicians and providers. Um, You know, we uh, brought on as many hospitals did across the country, uh, a significant number of graduate nurses uh, over the last 24 months. And we needed to make sure that they were transitioned to practice in a way that they felt good about, that they weren't just thrown in to these units um, and having to suddenly communicate and, and develop, you know, really working relationships with physicians uh, that they didn't know and weren't comfortable with. And there, is a, there are nuances to those relationships. Um, and then, you know, principles of onboarding staff nurses, it, it can be challenging for a 26 year old assistant nurse manager to be managing 22 and 21 year old nurses. So, you know, do they understand how to appropriately onboard those new nurses and what they need and, and how a GN can make a smooth transition to practice? So the fundamentals about that, we outlined that and then made sure that uh, everybody participated and really raised the bar for uh, nursing leadership relative to um, their ability to lead.
0: You know, that's so interesting to hear, and especially um, that last point you made, you know, with um, new leaders emerging and coming in, and then all of a sudden having to manage large teams, you know, it, it's a, a skill. And especially as, um, you know, the the workforce changes and kind of the dynamics um, within, you know, the, the whole um, department I can imagine or the whole hospital are changing as well. And, you know, is there anything that you've noticed, I guess, compared to whether it's pre-pandemic or just how things used to be that, you know, you really see it as being... Um, super helpful and beneficial within some of these trainings so that um, going forward, you know, the the hospitals and the nursing departments in particular um, are, are really becoming those places, as you mentioned before, that people are, are really wanting to work at, wanting to be at in strong teams and not engendering some of the um, challenging aspects of culture that we've seen previously.
1: Yeah, you know, I think probably one of the most important things is that the, you um, the leader who's leading operations on that unit for that shift, there's always someone twenty four seven. For us, it's an assistant nurse manager or a charge nurse. Um, they really have to uh, number one be in the position to be able to evaluate what's happening on the unit at any given time. That means, you know, we need those uh, those unit leaders to not have an assignment to actually be free so that they are they are continually evaluating the workload of the bedside nurses. Sometimes a graduate nurse or a nurse, you know, a novice nurse who's got less than two years experience, that nurse might not um, realize when they're starting to get into trouble, when perhaps they're not able to keep up with um, and, and appropriately assess and evaluate their patients. They feel stressed, but they they need help sometimes to identify, you know what, the workload of this assignment is actually not appropriate. You know, and a way that, you know, we have focused on doing that is to have uh, nursing leaders who actually are assessing that along with the bedside nurses. Um, you know, high intensity leads to burnout and burnout leads to turnover and leads to bad patient outcomes when you don't have enough nurses to provide care. So, you know, preparing our leaders to manage operations 24-7 and, you um, to more effectively make and manage staffing assignments has really been fundamental in supporting the improvements in our nurses' perception of staffing adequacy. Um, you know, I say perception of staffing adequacy because every nurse, regardless of what the staffing level looks like, they have their own perception of how they feel in that given shift. You know, we measure staffing adequacy in our annual nursing engagement survey. So the NDNQI survey asks though you know those really important questions. Do we have enough registered nurses to provide quality care? How do nurses do nurses have enough time to discuss patient care problems with other nurses? Do we have enough staff to get the work done? Are there adequate support services to allow me to spend time with my patients? Those four questions really give you a great pulse of, of how those nurses on that unit feel. You know, we had a just significant increase in staffing adequacy perception from our nurses last year a 14% increase and um and i uh, all of our nursing leaders in our markets and divisions all all accredit that to an increased awareness not only the education of how to staff but awareness of the frontline nurse leaders that that is their responsibility you know to to be making sure that those bedside nurses have what they need and if not that assignments are changed and redistributed more appropriately I think that was probably one of the biggest, and you you hear about that a lot in the um in the news if, when you when you hear about nursing dissatisfaction, uh, very frequently it's around that that we don't have you'll hear them call it a charge nurse or a charge nurse has an assignment, you know, and when that happens, that who is um who's got their eye on what's happening on that unit.
0: And it's such an excellent point and certainly a situation that is less than ideal and hospitals don't want to get into that situation for sure. Um, before we wrap up here, I was wondering if you could tell me more about some of the results that you've seen from the recruitment and retention strategies you mentioned, including your partnership with the schools and your clinical leader ladders program. Sure.
1: Um, well, yeah, our results, you know, we've been very, very pleased. We, we, Exceeded our hiring targets. You know, we had a, a hiring target of about five thousand nurses. We hired seven thousand, so we beat that goal by by um, two thousand. Our turnover significant decrease in twenty four months from from over thirty one percent to uh, just under nineteen. N- nursing agencies uh, post pandemic, many health systems brought on agency nursing. You know, we at the height of the pandemic, uh, were at about a thirteen percent of our uh, worked work hours. Of, agency. We're down to 1% now. So uh, nursing engagement improved, the NDNQI annual nursing engagement survey, which, you know, probably the survey most hospitals take across the country. We saw improvement in all eight domains, really, really pleased with that. Um, And the turnover. So we launched a clinical ladder across the company um, about 18 months ago, across the entire company And the nurses who participate in that clinical ladder their turnover was less than five percent so you know that's really a that was a game changer for us the ladder turnover we're engaging nurses and um and they're staying you know and relative to academic partnerships you asked about that as well you know that was a a big um, big deal for us really connecting with all of our feeder nursing schools uh, making sure that we're there we're connecting with faculty and students opening up positions on our end for nursing students. So our nurse tech positions, allowing them to work, you know, one, perhaps it's one shift every other week so they can kind of get to know us and we get to know them and and they can figure out where at Advent Health they wanna land, where they wanna make their home after graduation. We also launched a number of dedicated education units uh, with local colleges of nursing, really strengthening those academic partnerships. We expanded our practicums, our clinical rotations. We have our um, team members working as adjunct faculty to to help support those colleges of nursing so that they have the um, academic leaders that they need while they continue to also uh, develop and expand their pool. Our graduate nurse residencies were all um, standardized across the company, really making sure that they were evidence-based and that they provided a, a solid education with With evaluation throughout the graduate nurse residency, so that those residents were prepared and transitioned well to practice. We also did the same thing for our preceptors. So, you know, every graduate nurse residency is led by preceptors, bedside nurses. Uh, we realized that we had an opportunity there to help standardize their approach to the preceptor role. Did they understand, you know, what it meant to be an adult learning? Um, strategies so that our preceptors were functioning at a very high level and able to really transition those GNs in a way that was uh, good for everyone, the GN as well as the organization. And then a number of nursing mentor programs as well. I think our relationship with our colleges of nursing and then our own Advent Health University College of Nursing as well um, has really strengthened in the last 24
0: months. We've become very, very good partners. Well, that's great to hear and certainly inspiring just everything you've put together um, and, and resources that you put towards the nursing and, and development program. Um, that's really great to hear. Trish, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today to really expand and dig deeper into what you're doing at Advent Health. Um, I really appreciate it and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Laura. Uh, I enjoyed it. Have a great day.
0: It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks,